Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Dearest listener, allow me to unveil a delightful secret. Snag Tights Craft Clothing that embraces every body shape. In a bold endeavor to revolutionize the fashion realm, Snag has triumphed. Permit me to draw your attention to the ingenious Chub Rub Shorts, crafted with moisture-wicking yarn, promising to keep you at least one degree cooler and utterly free from the discomfort of chafing. Free shipping on select orders. Thus, the more you snag, the more you save. Do not delay. Dear listener, experience the fashion revolution that is snag and visit snagtights.us today. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to the third season of Criminalia. Our first season was all about women poisoners. Our second season was all about stalkers. And this season, we are exploring the lives and motivations of some of the most notorious imposters in history. I'm Maria Tremarchi. And I'm Holly Fry. And today, we are talking about a woman who did not don a new identity for financial or social gain, which many of the imposters we're talking about this season do. Sarah Emma Edmondson pretended to be a man so that she could enlist in the army during the American Civil War. Sarah, or Emma as she was known, was born in December of 1841 to Isaac Edmondson and Elizabeth Leapers in McAdavick, which is in the province of New Brunswick, Canada. Isaac and Elizabeth had had a son who was born with epilepsy before Sarah arrived. Isaac had been hoping for another son to help him with the family farm, but that wasn't meant to be. And beginning with her birth, Isaac resented his daughter. 
1857, at the age of 16, Emma left home to escape not only her father's abuse, but also to escape an impending arranged marriage. She changed her name slightly to Sarah Emma Edmonds, and she worked in a milliner's shop in the town of Moncton, which was about 140 miles from her family. Since we are talking about Canada, we'll do the translation here. That's about 230 kilometers. And after about a year, she decided to escape her father completely and get out of the country. So she immigrated to the United States. To travel undetected and also to find a decent paying job, Emma cut her hair and put on a men's suit, disguising herself as a man. She began calling herself Franklin Thompson, or Frank. She landed her first job in the United States as a traveling Bible salesman based out of Hartford, Connecticut. Much later, and this was long after her deception had been exposed, her employer recalled in the last 30 years he'd been hiring salesmen that no one ever outsold Frank Thompson. Emma had, by this time, developed Frank's reputation as an upstanding young man. By 1860, that is three years after leaving the family farm, Emma moved to Flint, Michigan. In the following year, in April, the Civil War began. Fueled by a love of her new country and a desire to stamp out slavery, Emma went to Detroit and there volunteered to fight for the Union armies. So... It may sound a little weird that a Canadian woman would enlist in the United States Army to fight an American war, but it actually wasn't that unheard of. While Emma may have been the only female Canadian to enlist, which we can't be 100% sure that she was or wasn't, uh, she certainly wasn't the only Canadian to do so. There was an estimated 50,000 who fought, mostly motivated to end slavery. But it absolutely should sound a little weird that a woman enlisted, because that was not at all legal at the time of the Civil War. Regardless, though, a lot of women put on pants to volunteer. Up to 250 women disguised themselves as men to serve in the Confederate armies. And historians have found that an estimated 400 to 1,000 women, and perhaps even more, fought on the Union side. Because they were disguised, though, this makes all of this reckoning a little bit difficult. It is impossible to know just how many female soldiers actually served in the war, because they all would have been in some sort of disguise. So it actually took a few tries for Emma to enlist. And it wasn't because she had a poor disguise. It was because she was 5'6" which meant that Frank was 5'6", and that was just shy of the Army's height requirement, which Holly and I think was about 5'8", or so, maybe a little bit shorter. Yeah, there are some differing statistics about that, but it's almost always mentioned that her height was the the factor that kept her out. Yeah, yeah so we're looking at probably 5'7", 5'8", you know, not not too off from the 5-6. Um, but regardless, it wasn't until President Lincoln ordered 75,000 additional troops to fight that height really became a non-issue. Yeah, those rules got loosened a bit. A uh, bit. <laughs> <laughs> what changed, you may wonder, between her first physical and the one that she passed? Well, although Army regulations required all recruits to have a physical, both the Confederate and the Union armies were at this point so desperate for troops that examinations became, uh, we'll call it lax. Yeah, a little, a little lax. <laughs> I would call it sloppy jalopy. But, I would uh, say that there weren't <laughs> any at all. <laughs> 
Historian Deanne Blanton explained this in the following way, quote, Often, they'd just have recruits walk by, and if they weren't lame or blind, and if their trigger finger worked, they were in. Some standards right there. (laughs) Um, So... On May 25th of 1861, Emma became Private Franklin Thompson and was mustered into Company F of the 2nd Michigan Regiment of Volunteer Infantry as a three-year recruit. On an interesting historical note here, it wasn't actually until 1872 when Army physicals became actually important. And because of that change, it would have been almost impossible, if not impossible, for Emma or any other woman to disguise herself and enlist. It makes you wonder how many people realized this was going on, kind of turned a blind eye, and then were like, we're going to have to change those rules. Right. Eventually, that's going to have to stop. Somebody's going to ask us a question, and I don't want to be the one to answer. Right. And there were a variety of reasons a woman would decide to join the army. So some enlisted to follow a man, whether that was a member of the family or just a friend or a lover, while others were simply looking for adventure or wanted to outrun a bad situation. And some of them, though, we should say were in it for the money. Many of the women who volunteered were girls who worked in factories or as seamstresses. And in those jobs, you would make about $4 a month. If you were looking for a better paycheck and if you were looking for freedom from the traditional domestic role of women at the time, the $13 a month that the union paid an army private probably sounded pretty great. Emma, disguised as Frank, was not, of course, as we said, fighting for any of that. She was motivated by her love for her adopted country, and she also wanted to be a nurse. As Private Thompson... Emma did actually find herself in the role of nurse, as well as an active fighter in the war. She participated in several major battles, among them the skirmish at Blackburn's Ford, the Peninsular Campaign, the Battle of Antietam, and the Battle of Fredericksburg. At Fredericksburg, she served actually as an orderly for her commander, who was Colonel Orlando Poe. So as we said earlier, in addition to a woman enlisting in the army, there is another unusual part to this story. Emma was able to serve for two years undetected disguised as Frank. We have to put an asterisk here because that's kind of like mostly (laughs) she was undetected. She was... 98% undetected. (laughs) Right. There is some very small, small evidence that has come up that was written in two journals. One was written by a male nurse named Jerome Robbins, and the other was written by a Lieutenant Reed. By October of 1861, Emma had begun a possible romantic relationship with one of those two soldiers, and at least one fellow soldier, probably Jerome, actually knew her true identity. It's scandalous <laughs> on so many levels. <laughs> uh, so we, we know that Emma is a master at deception and we know she's really good at it because she's a private in the army. But she was so stealthy that she was sometimes asked to serve as a spy. So as Frank, Emma actually made at least 11 trips, if not more or way more, behind Confederate lines, disguised as one of a few different characters. Um, One was an Irish immigrant. Uh, There was a black enslaved woman. And I believe I read that there was a white boy that she would sometimes go in as and sometimes a black man. However, uh, let's have a side conversation about this espionage business, because in 1865, 
Emma wrote a book of memoirs entitled Nurse and Spy in the Union Army. And though she writes about her experiences crossing enemy lines, some historians today question if it actually happened or if she had added some embellishment to her story. So after this espionage intrigue, though, there's actually one more thing in her memoirs that we we learned about her career in the military. Uh, And it sounds so commonplace compared to spy, but she from time to time also served as a mail carrier. I feel like there's a fun play on words with mail and mail, but I'm too lazy to make the connection right now. Well, um, well I'll just make it for you. <laughs> we are going to take a break and have a quick word from a sponsor. And when we're back, we are going to talk about how and why the war challenged the traditional role of the American woman. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day-to-day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low-key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older (laughs) in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash criminalia for 10% off your first order. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Your home should be your haven, and everyone wants to feel safe at home. If you travel a lot, it's really important that your home is secure when you're gone and that your pets are also safe. Simply Safe is advanced home security that puts you first. Simply Safe sent me a home security package, and I was really blown away by all the cameras and the quality of them. When I travel, I could check in on my cats anytime, day or night, and I sleep better knowing that once our alarm is set at night, I know that I'll be alerted if anyone tries to enter the house. Simply Safe has been named in U.S. News and World Report's best home security systems for five years running. It's also been ranked best customer service in home security by Newsweek. 
By partnering with Simply Safe, I've finally gotten real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Get an exclusive 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/criminalia. That's simplysafe s i m p l i s a f e dot com/criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at PurdueGlobal.edu. Dearest listener, in a world where fashion often neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need. Renowned for their exquisite tights, Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes. Clothing that not only promises but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note other chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select Orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. Welcome back to Criminalia. We're back to talk about how the Civil War became a formative part of the proto-feminist movement. Okay, so this image of the woman warrior appears in the myths and histories of various cultures throughout human history. Joan of Arc is a very well-known example, as are the Amazons, but there are way more out there. Oh, yeah. There is a famous and perhaps infamous, depending (laughs) on your point of view, 18th century British woman named Mary Reed, who disguised herself as a man named Mark Reed to serve in the infantry and the cavalry in the War of the Spanish Succession. And all of that was before she more famously became a pirate. And all the way back to the American Revolutionary War, historians know that Deborah Sampson, Margaret Corbin, and Nancy Hart all fought for the North American colonies. Like Emma, these were women who saw the war as an opportunity to fight for their country and for their beliefs. During the Civil War, Southern Black women were known to work as spies, scouts, couriers, and guides to support the Union, Harriet Tubman being the most famous among them. We also immediately think of Kathy Williams, who fought under the name William Kathy. And as William, she became the first Black woman to enlist and became the only documented female Buffalo soldier. 
The Buffalo Soldiers were a regiment known for their buffalo coats and really their general badassness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maria Lewis is another great example. She was a Black woman who was able to pass as a white male soldier in the 8th New York Cavalry. The Civil War, regardless of a woman's desire to join the military or not, also challenged what was considered the traditional role of an American woman. Up until the war began, an American woman was expected to be submissive and domestic. Mostly, women played the roles of nurses, cooks, and laundresses during the war, but sometimes it was necessary for a woman to defend herself, and that was usually with a gun. All of this was considered the honorable work of a woman while men went to war. But things were a little different for women who were disguising themselves as men in order to enlist. The act of dressing in men's clothing was a brazen choice at the time. And it actually wasn't until the 20th century, early 20th century, when it was acceptable for women to wear pants. And then only on very few occasions, like bicycling. <laughs> Right. You just gotta. You gotta wear some pants. Uh, as we've said on this show before, illegal in France to wear pants until the modern era. <laughs> We're not lying. <laughs> so today, many historians consider the American Civil War to really be a formative part of the proto-feminist movement in the U.S., Proto-feminism is a concept that has come up for us before. It's the first flavor of feminism that happened specifically before the turn of the 20th century. And during this period in history, some women were eyeing or even enjoying the freedom that came from living disguised as a man. A woman named Lizzie Cook told the Missouri Democrat that her, quote, strong impulse to shoulder a musket came from her desire to, quote, escape the monotony of a woman's life. But, you know, of course, there are always the dissenters. So not all women saw equality as a positive thing. And many argued that, many among that group, argued that politics weren't proper for women. Women's rights might have been some sort of new and possibly threatening thing to men of the time, but to these women, it was just unacceptable. Some pronounced that voting might cause women to, and I'm going to quote this here because it's that great, grow beards. Uh, oh I my remember God. when I had to start shaving after I turned 18 and started voting. <laughs> right? It I was mean, very difficult. I mean, you're 18. Like, it's really <laughs> oh, so embarrassing, my stubble. Um, <laughs> Well, you cover it nicely. Right. And here's the thing, right? That also presumes that women never have facial hair. Like, it's based on a very specific oh, yeah. identity of what femininity and womanhood is that's already messed up. So there right. are layers to this onion of wrongitude. <laughs> I would love to hear some of the other things that this group of women thought was proper. <laughs> and it was Clara Barton, who is known for founding the American Red Cross, who once claimed that the four-year Civil War advanced the social role of women by at least 50 years. Additionally, in their 1881 manifesto called History of Woman Suffrage, written by women's rights activists Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and Matilda Gage, it was asserted that females who served on the front line of the Civil War should be granted the same rights as men who defend their country. We do have to make a quick sidestep here, because that movement, if you know much about it, was unfortunately riddled with problems, uh, particularly racial divisions, it was basically all about white women's suffrage rather than voting rights for all women or even all people, because at one point they were like, no, no, 
we want black people to vote, but after we get it for us first. Right. Which I first. laugh at, but I'm just laughing because it's ridiculous thought. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. We only want those bearded women. <laughs> they wanted their rights first. And yes. then we'll help you, we swear, but us first. Which right. Is I not promise a, a great you that approach. I won't leave you by yourself. <laughs> so, um, Continuing, women who disguised themselves as men fought for the North and the South in virtually every major battle of the Civil War. We know that four Confederate women were promoted to the rank of captain, and at least one held the rank of major. Historians report that at least eight women fought at the Battle of Antietam, which is considered the bloodiest day in American history. And as a side note, I did look it up to see if it still was the bloodiest day in American history, and it is. Union fighters Catherine Davidson's right arm was amputated and Mary Galloway was shot in the neck. A woman fighting for the Confederacy died in the cornfield. Five women also fought at Gettysburg and one Confederate woman was shot in the leg. And the list goes on and on. So these discovered women, which is what you'll often see them called, were often discovered after being wounded and sent to a field hospital for care. Clara Barton, who we mentioned earlier, was caring for wounded soldiers when Mary Galloway was brought in with a neck wound that she received at the Battle of Antietam. And at that point, her true identity was revealed to Clara. Women were also discovered if they got sick or if they were taken prisoner or, as with a New Jersey sergeant and five other soldiers, gave birth. <laughs> Which I have to tell you, just the fact that they were fighting right up until that point I says know, a lot amazing. about their fortitude. I like to think that there was like some colonel somewhere who was like, we can even give birth in the military. We don't right? need anybody else. <laughs> so finding a woman in their ranks wasn't really a problem. Uh, men during the war described being surprised and for some even feelings of respect, similar to what we just discovered of I can't believe you managed all of this and had a child. However, this also served as a reminder that war was considered a man's job. Yes. Getting caught could mean one's moral character could be questioned, and I wouldn't want that. Uh, you'd, you could also be discharged and sent home, though. Most wouldn't be punished beyond that, although there are a couple reports of women being imprisoned, but very, very few. Hard to know if they're real. And though there were hundreds of women fighting, the press was actually more interested in covering the women dressed in men's uniforms than whether or not the women were good soldiers or even the philosophical take on whether or not women should be fighting at all. Well, because one sells papers and the yes. other are sort of harder to <laughs> contemplate. I mean, it's tale oh, yeah. as old as time, right? Okay, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we will talk about how Emma, as Frank, was considered a deserter. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. 
For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need, renowned for their exquisite tights. Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes. Clothing that not only promises, but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note other chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. Paid by up-level rewards. Paid participation required at your portrayal. Attention all listeners. Are you ready to earn $750? Well, get ready because I'm about to introduce you to Get750.com, the ultimate way to earn. Here's the scoop. Instead of just streaming shows or playing games on your phone for nothing, you have the chance to earn additional cash. That's right. From trying out new subscriptions to playing your favorite mobile games, you can get extra cash in your pocket. Simply sign up at Get750.com and follow the instructions to start earning immediately. So, what are you waiting for? Turn your favorite apps into real cash with Get750.com. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to earn rewards for things you're already doing on your phone. Check out Get750.com today. That's right. Get started right now at Get750.com. Just go to Get750.com or Google Get My 
750 cash. Follow the simple instructions and get your $750. That's get750.com. Get750.com. Welcome back to Criminalia. We're going to talk now about Frank as a deserter and what that meant for Emma. In April of 1863, the 2nd Michigan were assigned to the Army of the Cumberland, and they were sent to Kentucky. And by the time they arrived near Vicksburg, Mississippi, Emma had contracted malaria. That's something that actually claimed the lives of a lot of people during the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And, as Frank, requested a furlough. But that request was denied. Not wanting to be discovered by one of the nurses, she disguised herself again and she sneaked out of her camp. And it was then that Franklin Thompson was charged with desertion, which can, of course, be punishable by death during this time. Right. So after Emma escaped, she resurfaced in one of two places. Um, <laughs> so it was maybe Pittsburgh, but it was also maybe and more likely that she resurfaced in Oberlin, Ohio. Some sources report that she enrolled at Oberlin College this was the, the first college to offer higher education to both men and women. And they began admitting women long before this. I think it was back in 1837. So it was either there, Pennsylvania or Ohio, where she recuperated from malaria. And there is no record she studied at Oberlin. But there is proof she worked at the Christian Commission as a nurse from June 1863 until the end of the war. And it's right around this time when she resumed using her female identity and name. Right. Why would you go to the trouble of keeping up the ruse if you do not have to? Exactly. It do I don't know if she kept wearing pants, though. I mean, I, I would. They're comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Almost immediately following the Civil War was what's known, of course, as the Progressive Era. And this was a time budding with activists and reformers who wanted to end political corruption and improve the lives of all citizens and expand government intervention to protect citizens. One end goal through the suffrage movement was to grant women equal rights, including, of course, the right to vote. And that took some time. Women were not granted full voting rights until long after Emma had passed away. On August 26, 1920, state legislatures ratified the 19th Amendment, giving women the right to vote. Okay, so while that's a super important history lesson, actually, um, this is all happening right around the time that Emma decides to move to Harper's Ferry, which is in West Virginia. And it's there where she worked as a nurse with the Christian Commission again. Um, but it's also in Harper's Ferry where she met and fell in love with Linus Seeley. He was a carpenter who was, like Emma, from New Brunswick, Canada. The couple married on April 27th, 1867 in, okay, again, because this is actually getting funny to me, probably <laughs> Cleveland, Ohio. It's really hard to pin Emma down because she moves around a lot and at this time, just to make things even a little bit more confusing, Emma, now that she was married, decided that she would start using her first name again, Sarah. I like that she's uh, addicted to change. Right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> she just needs to jazz it up a little bit from time. I need time. a different locale. I need a different moniker. I got to switch it up. Sarah and Linus went on to have three children. They had two sons named Linus and Homer and a daughter named Alice Louise. But their family was really beset by tragedy. Linus died just before his third birthday, and Homer passed away shortly after he was born. 
Alice, too, died while she was still very young, and their deaths were blamed on measles, although there isn't any verification of that. That's not unusual for children's deaths during this time, for there to not be a lot of paperwork about it. Many sources report that the Seelys also adopted two boys. That was George Frederick and Charles Finney. In 1876, Sarah decided to attend a reunion of the Second Michigan and was warmly welcomed by her fellow male soldiers. It always bothered Sarah that, as Frank Thompson, she was considered a deserter. She always maintained her reasons for leaving camp were the fear of being found out that she was a woman, of course, um, but also exhaustion. And she always expected that she would return. But it turns out the men she fought side by side with didn't consider her a deserter either. The group began a writing campaign in an effort to get the U.S. War Department to recognize Sarah's service as Frank Thompson and to remove the charge of desertion from her military records. They were joined by others who had served with her, including former military officers and other distinguished men, and their campaign, it worked. But even with all of that support behind her, there was still a lot of bureaucratic red tape. Surprise. It took, it took eight <laughs> long years for this to work, but it did work. <laughs> On July 5th, 1884, in a special act of Congress, Sarah was granted an honorable discharge from the Army for, quote, her sacrifice in the line of duty, her splendid record as a soldier, her unblemished character, and disabilities incurred in the service. Sarah also received a modest cash bonus, as well as a veteran's pension of $12 a month. She was the only woman to receive a veteran's pension after the Civil War. That was huge. For 50 years, the adjutant general's office denied that female soldiers even existed. According to historian Blanton, who we mentioned earlier, Jubal Early, who was the Confederate general and also the head of the Southern Historical Society, dismissed females among Confederate troops, calling the whole idea a hoax. What we could wrongly but easily assume, if you listen to the rhetoric at the time, is that any discovered or dismissed female soldiers were, and I'm going to quote this, crazy, whores, or homosexual. Despite this whole judgment that she was going to get a pension, Sarah didn't actually receive any payments until 1889. And with back pay, that sum amounted to right around $100. The Seelys had hoped to open a veteran's home. That was a long-held dream. But unfortunately, in 1893, they lost all of their belongings when a major economic depression swept the country. That was known as the Panic of 1893. It was a national economic crisis, usually cited as being catalyzed when two of the country's largest employers, that's the Philadelphia and the Reading Railroad, and the National Cordage Company, both collapsed. That has its own long and interesting story as part of American history, which we are not going to get into today. I will talk forever about <laughs> the gold and silver standard and why we that go shifted on. <laughs> But it affected every part of the economy, and of course, that meant that it negatively impacted the Seeley's dream. So after moving around the United States from Ohio to Michigan to Kansas to Kentucky and pretty much everywhere in between, which makes me think that Sarah wanted to live in every state, <laughs> Sarah and Linus finally settled in Texas, in Laporte. There, Emma was accepted as a full member of the Grand Army of the Republic, the Union Army Veterans Organization. She was the only female member. 
Sarah passed away from a stroke on the morning of September 5, 1898. And though she was initially buried at Laporte Cemetery, in 1901 her remains were relocated to the military section of Washington Cemetery in Houston, Texas, where she is the only female whose burial in the Civil War veterans plot has been permitted. There, a small limestone marker reads, Herald the life of a heroic Canadian who helped preserve the United States and free a people from slavery. In addition to that quote, in her own words from her memoir, Sarah said about her experience, and I'm going to quote this, I could only thank God that I was free and could go forward and work, and I was not obliged to stay at home and weep. I love that quote so much. I mean, it it summates so beautifully, like, the desire for agency. Yes. it's. I feel it sums up her entire reason and experience. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a great one. Her memoirs, which are dedicated to, quote, the sick and wounded soldiers of the Army of the Potomac, recount this story of her remarkable life. Years after the war, when she was asked if her book was true, she was a combination <laughs> of truthful and coy about it. Good. She said... Quote, not strictly so. (laughs) Most of the experiences there recorded were either my own or came under my own observation. I would like, however, to write differently of that portion of my life. She wanted to be more of a mail carrier. (laughs) She may have wished to just do do a more truthful version. We don't know. Or a Um, very salacious version. (laughs) (laughs) I, I want to believe that she wanted to set the record completely straight, but that's Actually, just me. Actually, I feel it. like she would be that kind of a woman, too. Yeah. Uh, she did work on a sequel to that, but it was never published, and anything that she did create out of that, that effort has since been lost to the ages. All proceeds of Sarah's memoirs went, and still go, to the Sanitary Commission, the Christian Commission, and other soldier aid organizations. And so I'm going to take us on a quick trip forward up to 1988. This is when Emma's courage and her contribution to the Union's espionage and military fronts were recognized beyond her pension. She was inducted into both the United States Military Intelligence Hall of Fame and the State of Michigan Women's Hall of Fame. In her own country, she was elected to New Brunswick's Hall of Fame in 1990. So this is not exactly a funny story. There's not a fake princess involved (laughs) from a a made-up foreign land. But Emma instead makes being a pretender and an imposter seem fairly righteous. I agree. Are you ready for a mocktail, Maria? That's right. It's mocktail time. Tell me about it. It's mocktail. Again, remember, for my drinkers in the crowd, I'll I'll tell you how. Um, We'll set it right. I'll tell you how to kick it up to a a more adult version. This is one I was thinking about all of the different roles that she had in her life. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to include a lot of different things, each of which contribute their own aspects to this particular drink. And this is called Sarah's Secret. It's intriguing. (laughs) Yeah. So it starts out pretty simply. It's a mix of juices. You're going to do one ounce of each of these. So one ounce of orange juice, one ounce of pineapple juice, one ounce of guava nectar, or if you can just get guava juice, that also works great. 
This is an instance where even though it is a mocktail, I encourage you to use a shaker and put those three together and give it a good hard shake in a cocktail shaker because it's going to all infuse together a lot better. You're going to get better incorporation than if you just stir it. And then you can pour that into your glass and top it off with three ounces of lemon lime soda. I find it to be very, very sweet if you use regular lemon lime soda. So I went for a diet version. Mm -hmm. Not everybody likes diet versions because they don't like that (laughs) artificial sweetener thing. So either way is fine. But here's the secret. So this on its own is very bright and refreshing and quite a pretty color and really fun to drink. But then you're going to take a fresh jalapeno. <laughs> this is, and now I, I've sat up in my chair. <laughs> this is the secret part. So cut a slice, a circular slice of a fresh jalapeno. And you're also going to uh, cut a little bit from an orange peel, like the exterior Ooh. of an orange peel. Like a channel knife is, is your friend if you have one. Those just kind of like dig into the skin and, and pull it off. But you can also do it with a, a knife. Just be very careful. Give the orange peel a little squeeze over your glass. It's not going to create a bunch, but there's like a fine mist of orange oil that adds to it. But then you're going to put those two things together on a toothpick or a skewer, depending on the depth of your drink. And you're just going to drop it on in there and give it a little swizzle and let it sit there while you drink. And it honestly (laughs) does this completely weird thing that changes the flavor. It was funny because my husband and I were each trying this, and he was like, why do I keep getting a note of coconut when there is no <laughs> coconut in this drink? <laughs> You're like, is the, the guava makes you think it? Like, I <laughs> There's something that happens where it... Uh, I I didn't catch that initially, but then after he said it and I tasted it, I was like, I understand exactly what you're saying. Right. So that was interesting. It just changes the flavor of it completely. And as you're drinking it, that gets a little bit more intense. Uh, you get a little more jalapeno flavor. Obviously, a fresh jalapeno, depending on which one you get, is going to have a different character anyway. Some are very hot, some are milder. And that just adds an extra bout of fun. Now, if you are like... Maria and myself, a a drinker. (laughs) You might want to add something extra to it. (laughs) Let me tell you how amazing this is with an ounce or an ounce and a half of good bourbon. Oh, really? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It just adds this beautiful, smoky depth to it that's a little bit subtle, but it makes all of the fruit flavor like pop in a new way. It's absolutely delicious. I'm literally going to make one when we finish recording. <laughs> so I never know what in what like the ingredients of the drink are going to be before Holly comes on the show. And I do it on purpose <laughs> because I don't want to know. Like I, I like it to be like a little Christmas Eve thing that <laughs> goes on for me. Um, and so when you got to the bourbon, I literally was like, wow, what? This is not going to be a mocktail for me. I also was thinking when you mentioned, um, depending on the depth of your glass, and I'm sorry, (laughs) my mind immediately went to my glass has no depth. I just keep pouring the bourbon into it. <laughs> if you don't have a long skewer, you want to stick to something like a rocks glass. It's a little shorter. So a toothpick will not completely get devoured by the liquid. Like you'll still be able to see it a little bit. You could always use one of those like grilled like, forks. For your your bucket-sized version of this That drink. would work, too. Um, yeah, but if you put it in, like, a, to- a Collins glass or something, right. it's just going to be taller and you would lose your, your toothpick. You're never going to touch it again until you dump the whole thing out. Also, you could put other spirits in it. If you're not a bourbon person, 
I still recommend you try it that way because I'm not historically a bourbon person. You're not. And I I'm very loved bourbon with this. I was surprised, but it would work fine with gin or um, a vodka if you get a botanical of either of those. Extra bonus points for new right. flavors. That's Sarah's secret. <laughs> And it's quite tasty. And like I said, I want another immediately. Uh, I loved it in its non-alcoholic version. I wanted another. And then I was like, this is a perfect happy hour drink as well. It does sound delicious both ways. Yes. I'm telling you, man. It's like, uh, it's just bright and beautiful. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) While you sip this, if you would like to subscribe (laughs) to the show, we recommend that. But otherwise, thank you so much for spending this time with us. We cannot wait to talk to you again next week about more imposters. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.